Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us online today. I hope you had a fantastic Christmas and you're looking forward to bringing in another new year. Actually, speaking of New Year's, I want to start today by talking about a New Year's Eve tradition that most people celebrate. That is, most people that still stay up for New Year's. I'm talking about watching the ball drop. Every year when I watch the ball drop, I have the same thought in my mind, and that is that the people that are participating in the festivities leading up to it got to be freezing. Because to me, in my opinion, 30 degrees is cold. That's when it gets cold outside. And these people are out there, they're in the snow, they're in the rain sometimes, and I'm just like, they've got to be really cold. So if you probably disagree with me, then I want you to get on Facebook, if you're watching on Facebook, and I want you to comment what temperature outside, when does it become cold to you? Because I am curious to know what other people's perspectives are. And that is the title of today's message, Perspective. You see, Perspective means the state of one's ideas or the facts known to one. In other words, it's your point of view. And from time to time, we'll hear someone else's perspective and it will open our eyes and change our perspective. And that's the goal of today's message, to open eyes and change perspectives. Moments ago, I asked you to tell me or asked those watching on Facebook to tell me What temperature is cold? And I guarantee you that nobody answered like this woman who lives in Yakutsk. But before I can tell you what she said, you need to know some basic information about Yakutsk or Yakutsia. Yakutsk is the coldest large city in the world. It's located in Russia. And 328,000 people, it's in this part of Russia, 328,000 people live there. It looks something like this. The average temperature in Yakutia or Yakutsk is 16 degrees. That's a year-round average, meaning it's significantly colder most of the year. The street vendors there generally don't refrigerate their meats because It's typically colder outside than it is in your household fridge. This is what their markets look like. They just leave it out because it's so cold. The locals there, they don't wear glasses like you and me. They don't wear metal glasses because the metal will freeze to the sides of your face. They'll freeze to your skin, which is very painful. The locals also have to decide if during the winter, if they want to have a car or not. Because from November to February, the average temperature drops to, 20, to negative 26.3 degrees. At that temperature, batteries die and oil freezes. So the only way to have a car is to keep it running all winter long. You cannot shut it off. You shut it off for 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes, and you will never be able to turn it back on, not for the entirety of the winter. Now, if you're like me, you're probably wondering, who would want to live here? And why? You know, like, what, what, would, what would incentivize anyone to live here? Well, for one thing, it's got the only mammoth museum in the world, right? But I'd say that it's largely due to diamonds. You see, 
around 20% of the world's diamonds come from Yakutsk. Now, is that reason enough to stay in a place that's freezing cold year-round? Well, that's a matter of perspective. A local woman from Yakutsk was interviewed and asked the question, when does the temperature become cold? And her response was, Around negative 40. Negative negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. That's when it becomes cold. Negative 40. By that logic, 30 degrees, which is cold to me, is 70 degrees warmer So essentially, what is cold to me is summertime for her. She would take shorts. She would be wearing shorts in the stuff that I think is very cold. It's a perspective. It's how you look at it. In the Old Testament, there's a story about a young woman named Esther. And her story is kind of similar to another woman who lives now in Yakutsk. But we'll talk about her later. For now, we're going to pick up the story when Esther was chosen to be the queen of Persia. Which was important for a number of reasons. The first being that she was a Jew. And most people didn't know that. Her own husband, the king, didn't even know that. Now, before I go any further, I need to explain why that's important. But before I can, I have to introduce two other major players in this story. And that is the chief of these pun intended, is Haman. Haman was the chief advisor to the king. You see what I did there? Anyway, Haman was a bad guy. And I don't mean that in a a good way. He was a bad guy. He was a terrible man. He was a racist, and he had a plan to kill every Jew in the kingdom. And what's even scarier is that he had actually convinced the king to sign off on this plan. To go along with it. Another important person to know in this story is Esther's older cousin, Mordecai. Mordecai had essentially raised Esther and he was a father figure to her. So when he found out about Haman's plan to kill the Jews, he sent a letter to Esther telling her that she had to convince the king to save the Jewish people. Now, you might think that this should be a pretty easy conversation between a husband and wife. After all, it was only the one queen and the one king. He didn't have multiple wives. So it should have just been a natural conversation, you know, that happens between a husband and wife. You know, like husband, you know, honey, would you uh, not mind cleaning the dishes? And if you don't mind also, you know, not killing all of the Jews that are related to me. But it it wasn't, it wasn't like that. I've also never been married, so it might show you that I don't know what a normal interaction is between a husband and a wife in that stage. But because at the time the king was in his court, that couldn't happen. This casual conversation could not just come about. When the king was in his court, it meant that he was essentially in his throne room, which he's having meetings, he's making decrees, he is passing out judgments, and he had been in his court for one month which means that he hadn't spoken to or saw his wife in a month. Because the king was in his court, no one, not even the queen, was allowed to enter without the king's permission or invitation. Anyone who did would be put to death unless the king held out his scepter. 
So Esther knew that going to see the king would potentially result in her dying and then the death of the Jews. So she explained all of this to Mordecai, to which Mordecai replied, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you'll escape when all the Jews are killed. If you keep quiet, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows? Perhaps you were made queen for this. Another translation says, maybe you were made queen for such a time as this. I want you to remember that quote because we're going to come back to it a little bit later. Esther replied, gather all the Jews and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it's against the law, I'll go to the king. If I must die, I must die. And if you come back next week, I'll tell you what happens next in the story. Thank you so much for joining us online. There are four, I'm just kidding. Let's finish the story. Three days pass and Esther enters in to the king's court. She's not, you know, the most confident, but she's entering it. And he was so happy. The king was so happy to see her that he held up his scepter and he asked, what do you want, Queen Esther? What's your request? I'll give it to you even if it's half of my kingdom. Esther thought for a moment and then invited the king and Haman to a banquet where she'd ask the king to spare the Jews. Fast forward through one banquet. She invites him to them both to another banquet where the king again says, tell me what you want, Queen Esther. I'll give you whatever you ask, even if it's half of my kingdom. This time Esther said, I ask that my life and the lives of my people be spared. For my people and I have been sold to those who will kill us. Who, who would do such a thing, the king demanded. Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? Esther replied, this wicked Haman is our enemy. Haman grew pale with fright. Then the king jumped to his feet in a rage and went out into the palace garden. Haman, however, stayed behind to plead for his life with Esther, for he knew that the king would kill him. In despair, he fell on the couch where Esther was sitting just as the king was returning. The king said, will he even assault the queen right here in the palace before my very eyes? And as soon as the king had spoken, the guards covered Haman's face, signaling his doom. They put a sack over his head. Then one of the king's eunuchs, one of his advisors, said Haman set up a sharpened pole in his own courtyard. He intended to use it to impale Mordecai, then impale Haman on it, the king ordered. So they impaled Haman, and the king's anger subsided. Now, this is an intense story, and I want to highlight something that's important, and that is that God was working through Esther. God had placed Esther in a position of influence and authority long before she'd ever known or needed it. He gave her courage and creativity to do something difficult. And what's really interesting is that as far as we know, God never directly spoke to Esther and told her exactly what to do or to say. She just relied on what she felt like God wanted her to do. Which is similar to what another woman did who now lives in Yakutsk. 
This is the first Christian woman to live in Yakutsk. Her and her husband chose to move to one of the coldest places on the planet just to tell people about Jesus. And they lived there and they've lived there for 35 years now. And she said that she has never regretted moving there. In fact, she said that compared to Jesus who left paradise to come to earth, her sacrifice is much less. And when I heard that story, it really made me sit back and just say, wow. Now that's perspective. If this woman can go to one of the coldest places on earth just to share the gospel, then at the very least, we, in our current context, can invite our coworkers and our next door neighbors to church. Because the thing is, you don't have to be a pastor or a missionary to invite someone to church. Now, before you start coming up with reasons as to why you can't do this or why you aren't able to do this, let me repeat something to you. Maybe you were made for such a time as this. Maybe if we allowed our perspectives to change, we'd see that God has us in this place for such a time as this. On Christmas Eve, Pastor Kent spoke about welcome home, coming home. And then January, we're going to continue a series or start a brand new series called Welcome Home. And I thought, what if we were to take it just a little step further? What if we were to come home, just come to church and bring a friend with us? I'll end with this. 2022 is fast approaching. It's almost here. And I want to give you this question. Do you know anyone who could benefit from knowing Jesus in 2022? And this next year, do you know anyone that could benefit from having a relationship with Jesus? If so, let me hit you with a statistic. 50,000 people were surveyed. They were asked the question, why they went to church? Why do you go to church? What made you start going to church? 2% said that it was because of advertising. 6% said that it was because of a pastoral invitation. And another 6% because of an evangelistic campaign. But 86% said that they went to church simply because a friend or family member asked them to go. 86%. I told you I'd challenge you and your perspectives today to open eyes and to challenge your perspective, to change your perspective. So let me state this more plainly. You were made for this. Someone that you know is needing Jesus and you can be the one 
to introduce them to him in 2022. You can be the one that makes that connection. It's my prayer that each of you would feel motivated in 2022 to invite someone to church. If a woman and her husband can move to Yakutsk just to share the gospel, then at the very least, we in our comfortable homes can invite our friends to church. Thanks again for joining us. Happy New Year. And I hope to see you accompanied by someone new in 2022. God bless you.